Welcome to Saints and Sinners Unplugged. I am Pastor Ken Jones from Glendale Baptist Church. I am joined by our regular co-hosts and colleagues, Pastor Jose Prado from Christ City Church, Pastor Aldo Leon from Reconciled Church in Homestead, and Pastor David Menendez of Tamiami Baptist Church. Uh, we have really been playing off of Luther's theology of the cross versus the theology of glory. Theology of the cross is Christ-centered understanding that the gospel is about Jesus living for our righteousness, dying for our sins, and that gift is a gift of God's grace, as opposed to a theology of glory that seeks to make much of human effort, uh, no matter how sincere it may be. But the idea of exalting human works, human efforts uh, as the means by which we receive blessing or as the focal point of our worship. Lord, bless me because I fasted longer. Bless me because I'm more serious. Bless me because of my quiet time. But all that God has for us is given in the person and work of Jesus Christ, which leads to Luther's emphasis on God being hidden in ordinary things. God's greatest gift of grace is hidden in human flesh. Um, God's gift of salvation is hidden in, uh, in the person and work of Christ and is communicated to us not through spectacular things, but through receiving with open hands the broken body, the emblems of the broken body and shed blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So God is hidden in those things. His His saving grace is hidden in the water of baptism. It's, it's hidden in that simple message of grace. But our tendency, which we have been hardwired for because of bad theology for such a long time in evangelical churches, that a theology of glory creeps in at so many different levels. And so far, we've talked about how a theology of glory, which undermines the theology of the cross and undermines the significance and sufficiency of God hidden in those ordinary things, it's undermined by our elements and our very theology of worship oftentimes, our expectations of worship. It's also uh, undermined by the very doctrines yeah. that that we propound. And Jose was talking about an element doctrinally that we could we could say it's on the back end of our theology where somehow the verdict of justification is not enough. Yeah. When we get justified, we that that, that is final salvation. Mm -hmm. So somehow it is um, protracted to the end. There's a certain expectation that something else needs to be met along the way. There's some conditions hmm. that need to be met for final justification. One, a popular author, preacher, pastor puts it this way. Yes, you're justified by faith alone, but you attain heaven by um, your, your works. And what it means very subtly is that um, you know, justification itself is not enough to stand before God accepted. Now you must also show the fruits of your faith. Mm. And that is part of the equation whereby you will finally be accepted before God on at the end. You know, well, you put, it, you, you, put it, you put it lightly because I think mm. that I wish they would use the language of fruits of your faith. But they don't. They actually call it faith. They define yeah. faith right. as yeah. obedience. Yeah, I, I sure. think that, that's another doctrinal issue. We don't see faith as being an instrument 
we right. see it as being the first most significant domino kind of act of morality. Yeah. Mm. But it's instrumental. It, it's not an act of morality. It's actually an act of deficiency or lack thereof receiving something from somewhere else. And so when faith doesn't become an instrument to receive a work that saves you, it then becomes a moral work which kind of cooperates and contributes to your salvation. And so all of a sudden we talk about faith in the terms of surrender and commitment Mm. as if it is a significantly positive moral act as opposed to an empty instrument that you receive a promise of a redemptive work that saves you. Yeah, that's So somehow passages like deny yourself, unless you deny yourself, right? Mm. Unless you take up your cross, um, you can be my disciple. So passages like that, mm-hmm. count the cost yeah. to follow me. Mm-hmm. So it is passages like that that we hear a lot referenced as the cost of actually your salvation. There, there, there's another popular author that shall remain nameless that actually talks about the cost Hmm. That there's somehow a cost that we need to pay, that Mm -hmm. discipleship and following Christ and costs associated with following Christ um, uh, is the gospel, is um, what our faith is. It is not just trusting and believing. Well, he would define salvation under the terms of lordship salvation, obviously, which, which by the way, I mean, we obviously believe Christ is Lord. Yeah. And, and uh, we don't make him Lord, by the way. Yeah. Right. God but, already has. Right. Yeah. But he, He's such a Lord that he conquered death and sin yeah, and hell right. and Satan for us. So, so there's an aspect where we would say yes, mm-hmm. but not in the way he defines it. I mean, he defined it as, as, as your surrendering right. of every single aspect of your life well, and they, counting the cost uh, uh, of, yeah. of following Christ, you know, and that's the way he, he puts it. If, if that hasn't happened in your life, then you're mm. not saved. Wow. Yeah. And, and that, that again comes from, I feel like all these things are like a web, a low view of the law. If you believe that some sort of partial yeah. or desirous submission to God's authority is somehow a grounding part of your justification, you have an extremely low view of God's demands and mm. law. You think, well, I don't, I don't submit to God fully, but I want to. You think that is conformity <laughs> to the law? Yeah. I want to? Right. That yeah. don't work. Yeah. Like, it's, right. like, it's, it's almost like you stand before a judge. And you're like, I didn't want to. I didn't mean to. I didn't want yeah. to assault my wife. Yeah. yeah. Deep down in my heart, everything in me wanted me not assault her. I assault her. You are guilty yeah. before right. the law yeah my actions were bad but my heart mm. was in the right yeah. place yeah, yeah. there yeah. is the, the law says cursed is everybody who does not abide by everything written into the book of the law so as to perform them that's what it always says right it god doesn't lower the bar of justifying law keeping after justification it remains uh ruthless and <laughs> unbending and unflinching mm-hmm. um well, well, to those things, though, and those are, are, are very important doctrines, and it seems that part of our responsibility, which should be communicated in regular worship, a sound, biblical, gospel-anchored understanding of faith and of the doctrine of justification. In the same way that we have to be clear and careful in the preaching of law gospel, I think we can't talk about sanctification without anchoring it to justification. But it's interesting, uh, some of these uh, folks, they talk about justification in, it seems like, in a very flawless way. But then they say, but you must repent. 
Okay. And then somehow, so there's another doctrine. Somehow they're always finding a space to bring your self-centered, self-provided piece of righteousness. And by repentance, I mean you must forsake your sin. And if it means commit and surrender 100%, well, how much of my sin must I surrender and commit to holiness in order to be justified? Mm-hmm. So somehow yeah. they speak of faith in, in the best of cases in a good way. Then it gets lumped in with repentance. And repentance is an instrument. It's the other side of faith. Yeah. You need repentance in order yeah. to be saved. And that's where they put the freight of your obedience, thereby undermining everything they said right about justification and faith. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that that we forget is that Jesus didn't die simply for our sinfulness, but he died for our very righteousness. Yeah. Uh, I mean, our very righteousness is condemnable before God. Therefore, mm. when, when the scriptures call us to mm. repent, yeah. we're not just simply repenting oh. from the wrongdoing, right. the moral wrongdoing, but we are, we are forsaking uh, or in the case, you know, deny yourself or yeah. carry the cross. We, right. we are saying, yeah. Everything, all my righteousness yeah. is crap yeah. right. before yeah. God. That's Philippians yeah. 3. That's what we're That's saying. That's a modern yeah. paraphrase of yeah. Philippians yeah. Yeah. 3, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and actually, the context of deny yourself, Peter was trying to keep Jesus from going to the cross. Yeah. yeah. So what, what act of self-righteousness and saying, I don't need you to die for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna, I, I, Peter now defending and protecting the Lamb of God that's going to provide him eternal righteousness and salvation. Yeah. And so by the you way, need to deny yourself. Be gone, Satan. Yeah. And that's yeah. right after Peter had confessed that you are the, <laughs> the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yeah. And Jesus acknowledges that flesh and blood did not reveal that to you, but my Father who was in heaven, which means mm-hmm. even though you have a right identification of who I am, it is possible not just for Peter, but for all of us to still have flaws in our connecting this treasure of God's grace in Christ and the necessity of him broken for us. Yeah. A while back, I would have said the issue of double imputation, but now I think I go beyond that and I say we don't have a covenantal view of redemption. Yeah. I was just going to bring say, that yeah, out. Absolutely. Yeah. And because we yeah. don't have mm-hmm. a covenantal view of redemption, yep. which God is fulfilling those covenants which he put upon us, namely God tells Adam, you must obey in order to be enter into the Sabbath rest. If you don't obey, you must be punished by death. We don't have that framework no. beginning in Scripture that Christ accomplishes, which means that in order for us to be right with God, we must obey God perfectly and then pay for all of our imperfections. Which means having the covenant curses of having broken that covenant of yeah. works, yeah. we must now endure yeah. the covenant curses. So, so that's covenant so, of works versus a covenant of grace. Right. But there are many that theologically uh, do not right. um, affirm the covenant of works. The covenant of grace is always has always been a conditional covenant. Yeah. And, and the problem with that yeah. is you, you preach a gospel that absolves you of your sins but leaves this if. massive vacuum of where your righteousness comes yep. from. That's right. Yeah. And if you don't have an, a removal of sins um, in the cross, coupled with a crediting of Christ's act of obedience for you, you have this vacuum of righteousness that you must fill with something else. And that's where I think the sanctification becomes yeah. massive and even the justification becomes mixed with some sort of moral element. Why? Because we have we don't have a covenantal view of redemption. Right. 
which therefore doesn't have these categories of needing a righteousness given to us by a performer on top of someone being crucified for our unrighteousness. Yeah. We need both it's, all the time. Well, what, what yeah. are the implications then of not seeing Christ with a covenantal grounding? I mean, that's, that's what we end up with. And, and I think uh, among the many errors, and we see it in various forms in, among Protestants, is we end up with Jesus as a not just a good teacher, but as our moral example right. rather yeah. than our yeah. covenant head. Right. Right. The whole idea of union with Christ is lost if we don't understand that covenantal framework. Yeah. Right. Or, or, or union or, for transformation. Or a, or, right. or, yes. a, or a moral infuser. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so so like you said, and I think all of it goes together because our faith is in God's promise God's promise is fulfilled in the person and work of Christ, and that is given to us in the form of a covenant of grace, where the curses for our failures have been borne by him, the righteousness that is required under the covenant of works has been kept by him, and then he institutes with the Lord's Supper this new covenant. Here, I'm going to give you, and God gives us all of the benefits of Christ, and that is confirmed in word and sacrament. Yeah. Uh, the covenant of yeah. works is that arrangement by which, um, well, Adam was created to obey God. There was a moral law written on his heart. We are bound to a covenant of works because Adam, our covenant head, our federal representative, was bound to a covenant of works obey mm -hmm. and you will receive right if you do not obey You're then the curse is upon you right what adam received was the curse because of his failure but the promise because of god's grace right. and that gets republished under the mosaic covenant yes which is no longer the covenant of works as no one is going to be attain righteousness no. by it but it There's speaks no the, it that. speaks yeah. the language of if you obey you yeah. are blessed, and if you disobey, you are cursed. And Paul very clearly says in Romans and Galatians, the law is not of faith. Right. Yeah. It's not of faith. So when people want to make the law the object of faith, as in the lack of distinction and clarity and faith and repentance and the unconditional covenant of grace, then we end up with a law that is of faith. And, and also with the covenant of works, every human being is under a covenant of works. They're, they're in Adam. Yes. It, it, yep. Because Adam is the federal head right. of the whole human race. Yeah. So his failure is our failure, and we don't get a do-over. I, I like it in Hebrews, you know, Hebrews 9 and 10, where, 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 where it says, in talking about the law written in our hearts, immediately goes to, and I will remember your transgressions no more, and immediately goes to, a body you have prepared for yes. me, I have come In to do 10, your yes. will. Yes. It immediately goes to faith that looks outside yes. to our federal representative head, the last Adam, Christ, for our forgiveness and our righteousness. And he institutes the covenant of grace because he has kept the covenant of works. Right, That's right. Yeah. right. Um, a non-Trinitarian view of redemption and sanctification. Mm. Mm. What I mean by that is... We preach and counsel people to believe in the Holy Spirit's work mm, mm. devoid of yeah. his application of the Son's work yeah. Yeah. from the Father's 
orchestration. Oh, man. Wow. You can spend a whole program there. You that is up. huge. No, so, 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 so when we <laughs> when we talk about salvation in a non-trinitarian way, we yep. preach regeneration. Yeah. Outside right. of apart from the, the cross, spirit. sure, sure. And, and when we yeah. preach the Christian life, we 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 call people to believe in their regenerative Holy yeah. Spirit life right. apart from the Holy Spirit who is always Pointing. applying and dispensing yeah. right. the, the Son's work. And so, the, you know, like, we talked about this before, like the scripture never says that you are a new creation. Hmm. It says you are a new creation in, in Christ. Christ. Yeah. God, you know, what's that? In, in, in Ephesians 2, Christ, everything is in Christ, yeah. which is what? In, in what? What is in Christ? Well, it's, it's in his work. What, what kind of work? Work that was ordained from the foundation yeah. from the Father. And we don't have that Trinitarian framework, mm-hmm. which then removes that essential gospel element sure. from the application of it originally or the life of it after. Here's what I've tried with my people. I've told them every time you see phrases like walk in the Spirit, live by the Spirit, you know, know that when the reference is made to the Spirit, it is made to the means that the Spirit uses, and yes. that is faith. So we're, we're called to walk by faith. We walk by the Spirit, meaning we walk by faith. But don't That's stop true. there. Right. Don't right. stop there. Now, the next and final step is now, when you walk by the Spirit, that means you walk by faith, and faith always has reference to the person and the work of exactly. Christ. So you walk by the Spirit, walk in by faith, looking to Christ yes. for yeah, you. Yeah, yes. yeah, so we're not calling people to believe in their new creation. Yeah. We're calling people to believe and their in new their newfound new... powers empowered by the Spirit to do something. I'm calling you to believe in your new creation, who you are by virtue of, of light, the life, death. We're we'll calling to hear the promise again. But yes. Walk in the Spirit. Yes. Walk by faith. Hear the promise. This is who you are in Christ. Yes. And you won't understand your new creation without looking yes. to Christ. No. Yes. That's mm-hmm. the thing that, that we don't get. And I, again, I think our, our Lutheran brethren are so helpful in many areas, and this is one of them, especially as it relates to the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Because, and like you said, David, we could go on a whole other yeah. program and talk about this, but how much talk about the Holy Spirit does not center on mm. the finished work of Christ in yeah. most evangelical churches. Yeah. It's, again, associated with what I feel internally or what I'm empowered to do apart from the finish, the person and finished work or, of Christ. Here's another one. If the Spirit is the one that quickens the church and revives the church, then how do we bring about revival? Mm. Yeah. And then the Spirit is going to bring about revival, but not by the regular means of grace, of daily, week in and week out, dishing out law and gospel preaching and the sacraments, but somehow we must go in this high view theology of glory where we're preaching you know the high decrees of god and the sovereignty of god and the lordship of christ which is all shorthand for there's something you got to do in order to get right with god and for god to move in your midst well it's interesting you talk about uh, the lord's supper and how we should view that and that is confirming what god is and that's what the spirit does is confirming through those elements what god has given us in christ a few years ago since i've been here in in miami i was uh, interviewed by some radio station christian radio station in another part of the state and the guy wanted he had heard a sermon i did on the Lord's Supper, and he wanted to talk to me about, I did two shows with him to talk about the Lord's Supper, why it's not as held as important and so forth in the church, and what does it consist of, went on, we had several, you know, we talked several minutes, 
And someone recently uh, found the interview and they said, you need to, have you listened to that interview? And I I did. I I don't, well, I didn't re-listen to it. But at the end of the interview, after we did all of this talk about the sufficiency of God's grace in the personal work of Christ conveyed and communicated to us through the elements of the Lord's Supper, the guy closes out his program, says, yes, so fathers go out and serve your families the Lord's Supper and make sure you put oil on them. It's like, oh my goodness, that you just that's like the proverbial cow yeah, who gives yeah. a great bucket of milk and then kicks it over. We, we find that in evangelical churches that yeah. our dependence on oil often is in direct proportion to our failure to grasp the sufficiency of God's grace in Christ communicated to us in the Lord's Supper. That's why I said at the beginning that there's a detox period. And it's one of the things I've seen in some new people that have come to our church from this background. At first, it's like they're not really getting in. They're kind of like sitting on the sidelines and not sure. But sure enough, by the Spirit of God leading them to the promise in Christ, they begin to be detoxed. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's patience oh, I, through the process man, I, I, until eventually true revival yes. as Christ is displayed to them mightily. And they there needs to be a yeah, recovery home for that's evangelicals. That's exactly right. Yes. Absolutely. And that's saints and sinners unplugged. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when we started a few weeks ago, we started with the elements of worship. Yeah. Um, and we've moved now into doctrine. But in reality, uh, it starts with doctrine. Yeah. I, I think that they're the, all connected. The, the yeah. misconceptions of, of our justification and where it lies yeah. are, are the reasons why we worship the way we do. Mm. Mm. Yes. You know. That's good. That's yeah. that's good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Our, our doctrine is reflected mm-hmm. in our worship. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like people say things like you believe, but you don't live it out. That that doesn't exist. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah. You're not believing. <laughs> Paul introduces Titus, the sound doctrine hmm. that is in accordance with godliness. Dude, I just si- signed up for the latest conference <laughs> where the, the biggest speaker is going to speak about how to live the gospel. Well, <laughs> well, but no, but listen, listen. So ethical issues are always symptomatic of issues of unbelief. Absolutely. Yeah. Watch out, brothers. It will not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart yeah. that departs from the living God. How much more will the blood of Jesus cleanse our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? It's always the idea that appropriating by faith the redemptive work of Jesus has no power until the volition activates it Mm. separately that is just that, another that, program that doesn't yeah. exist yeah. well that does and not I, exist I, i'm, I'm going to take it even further and say that and this is why we need that that gospel continuously mm. because there is remaining unbelief mm. it's yes, not right. just sin when i sin no yeah. matter what it is it's in that instance mm-hmm. on that issue yeah. i did not believe to the level that i should and our pleasure only follows our belief so we do sin yeah. because we don't believe, yeah. and God has given us saving faith that ultimately attaches us to the finished work of Christ, not to our belief. But that's where the faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Mm. We believe, and the Puritans used to say that weak faith, if it's genuine, is saving faith. Amen. Well, that's all the time we have. Um, go on to Saints and Sinners Unplugged, www.saintsandsinnersunplugged.org, 
Or you can also email us at info at saintsandsinnersunplugged.org. We look forward to joining you again next week. Thank you.